0: Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to 43. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralysed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you, rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him. And they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay.
1: I don't remember asking.
0: So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner.
1: Great. Uh, Mo, thanks so much for, for reading first. Um, and the, the title for talk today is Hope in travel times. Uh, 480,000 cases worldwide, last time I checked, 22,000 deaths. I, I wonder how you're feeling about the current situation. And depending on your temperament um, and how much you follow the news, you might be feeling more or less worried about the situation. Um, at least for me, um, the virus has reminded me of um, our mortality and fragility. I think for a while we've gotten away with thinking that uh, we are at the pinnacle of humanity, uh, medical and technological advancements has made us feel somewhat, somewhat invincible. You see, with death rates increasing every day, um, I'm personally reminded that life, life is not given. And so, the, That's the so deep. We need to grapple with today, and um, that the whole world needs to grapple with today, is the question. Of hope. Um, Is there hope today? Uh, You see we can look to our governments for hope. A huge amount of money has been pumped into the UK government, uh, the UK economy just over the past week and maybe just more, uh, more, the more they'll be coming in this evening. You see the new restrictions been put in place uh, to stem the spread and I mean personally I'm really thankful for what the UK government has been doing. But you see, no politician knows for sure that things won't get worse. Or no one knows for sure. And we can look to a healthcare, for, healthcare system for hope. And the NHS has been doing an amazing job so far to support the number of rising cases. But likewise, there's, there's no end in sight. and There's no guarantee that things will recover. I mean, who knows uh, the lasting impact that the virus would have upon us. So the question that we all need to grapple with today in this situation is, is there hope? Is there hope today? Where do we find hope in these troubled times? Well, if you just joined us for the first time today, I want to say very welcome. And I do hope you keep coming back. And since the start of this year, we've been looking at the book of Acts. And I think it's been, um, it's really Special that we've come to the section in Acts in chapter 9 where we see an amazing miracle. And it's not the first time we've seen a miracle in Acts. Uh, throughout Acts, we've seen uh, many amazing miracles. In chapter 2, uh, we've seen that uh, there were signs and wonders done by the apostles. In chapter 3, we saw a man crippled from birth being healed instantly. And today, we come to another healing of laymen and an even more startling resurrection from the dead. Now let me read again from chapter 9, verse 32. Now, as Peter went here and there among all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydia. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden ridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, who translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all aside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her life, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. He stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a Tanner. Healing of a lame man, a life from the dead. Uh, Peter's miracle it offered huge hope back then. You see, the question is, how should we make sense of this passage? Does uh, this, this passage provide hope? in our present troubles. Uh, Around the world, um, there are many different Christian leaders providing promises of immunity from the virus. I was watching a video, I think about two days ago, and there was a celebrity pastor from the States, and he was saying he, he could promise healing to anyone who touched his hand. And he was reaching out on the screen, and he told his viewers to touch his hand on the screen to receive the healing. Um, there's a pastor in Singapore claiming that you'll be protected if you take daily communion. But of course, it's rubbish, right? I mean, it's rubbish. Christians are not immune from the coronavirus. Christians are not immune to death. See, Many Christians died in Acts. And think about Theophilus, who is the original reader of Acts. Um, he would have witnessed many Christians dying for their faith. So how should we make sense of today's passage? I mean, does this passage provide us any hope now? Uh, remember, Acts is, is not a prescriptive. It is a descriptive. So the first thing we need to realize is that this passage, uh, it functions a bit like a drum roll. Um, we are on our first point, if you have the handout, and I'll try to share on the screen over here. Um, we're on our first point, and there is something big that is about to happen. There's something big that is about to happen. Well, there are two pitfalls when you read a passage like what we have today. Uh, the first is that this we can read this text with a religious text filter on. You know, the one that says, oh, it's a great story, but it didn't actually happen. The thing is, but it did happen. Luke is a historian, and he is recording for us what happened. There's game-changing hope here. Imagine the stats in the UK. I um, was just looking at it on the website just before this talk. The number of cases, 9,529. The number recovered, 135. The number of deaths, 465. number of resurrections, 465. What's what's happening here? It's not just immunity from illness; it's dealing with the ultimate problem, death. And it did happen back then. And Luke here is pointing to us that something big is happening. And perhaps the second pitfall of reading this text is to um, expect that resurrection happens quite a lot in the Bible. But the truth is, in the Bible, resurrection from the dead only happens five times, twice in the Old Testament and three times in the New. In the Old Testament, you have Elijah and Elisha, and in the New, you have Jesus, Peter, in our passage today, and Paul. And in our passage today, Luke describes Peter a bit like Elijah. uh, Peter, he gives life to someone outside Israel in a foreign land, uh, that's in Joppa, Likewise, in Elijah, he gave life to the widow's son outside this room. Uh, Like Elijah, Peter kneels down to pray. And like Peter and Elijah, both resurrections happen in an upper room. Peter here, he's a scribe like a new Elijah. But not only is he like Elijah, um, he's also a bit like like Jesus. Luke chapter 5 and chapter 7. Peter is, uh, the way Jesus heals the young man, uh, the words that Jesus used, is arise. He tells the young man to arise. And likewise, Peter here, he says in verse 40, Tabitha, arise. It's very similar fashion, uh, the way Peter and Jesus heals the dead man. So Peter here, he's described both a bit like Elijah and Jesus. And what's the point? Why does Luke, our author, describe him this way? I think the point is is pretty straightforward. It is saying that there's something big about to happen. It's the author's way of getting his readers ready for something big. Uh, Imagine the sound of a drumroll before the great reveal, or imagine a big sign uh, think about driving on the M25 when you look up and you see a big sign saying Central London, with a big arrow pointing there. And that's what a passage is doing today. Something big is about to happen. But what is the great reveal? What is the big thing that's going to happen? The big surprise is after chapter 9, we get chapter. Ten, uh, chapter ten is the big reveal. And if you are following the handout, we are on our second point. And so let me read uh, chapter ten 1st us. Uh, we'll get more of chapter ten next week, uh, but the crux is here in verse thirty-eight from chapter ten. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter is saying that Jesus died and rose again. And so, verse 43 everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Through his name, see the drum roll in chapter nine, uh, the drum roll that you hear, is revealing in chapter Ten that there is hope today because forgiveness is an offer. there is hope today because forgiveness is an offer. I mean, at this point, there's an obvious question that some of you may be asking: Why does forgiveness mean hope? What does forgiveness have to do with the coronavirus and the illnesses and the suffering that we face in this world? And I, I want to suggest that at this point, we need to ask the question that no one has been asking over the past couple of weeks. You see, I've been reading the, in the news and on my social media feed about the what and the how. And what is the coronavirus? How do we tackle it? Or how do we not tackle it? But no one really asked the question. Why? I mean, why is the coronavirus in this world? Why is there sickness and death in the first place? The thing is, the Bible has an explanation to the why. And perhaps we are, we're really used to the way this world is, that it might surprise us that at one point of time, and there was no sickness and death in this world. Uh, in the beginning of the bible the the bible describes god the creator making this world and he describes the world as good not just good but very good i mean no pain no sickness no viruses no death i mean can you imagine a world like that i can't even imagine even imagine a world without the coronavirus these days but the thing is what made the world go from very good to very bad. What caused sickness and death to enter this world? You see, our instincts to look for hope at this point is, is pointing to the fact that deep down, I mean, all of us here, we long for a world that is not broken. So what was it that changed the world? And I want to suggest at the heart of things, at the very heart of things that changed the world was this. That we believed a lie, a lie that life without the creator God is better than life with him, a lie that life without the life giver is better than life with him. So you write at the heart of things, humanity believes a lie. The Bible uses different words to describe this belief in the lie, such as sin or rebellion. But at the heart of things, it is a belief in a lie. And the result of believing the lie, the consequence of believing the lie, was that life turned from good to to bad. Death and sickness entered the world. The cause, belief in the lie. The consequence, a fallen world. World of sickness, suffering and death. Let me try to illustrate this. Uh, imagine being on one of those life support machines on one of those ventilators, uh, which is pretty rare these days. Imagine you have a pipe down your throat pumping oxygen into your lungs, mm-hmm. keeping you alive. And on one hand you have a doctor saying you have to keep it keep keep the ventilator on at all cost. And on 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 your on your left you have the politician saying, Remove it, just take it out and go to work. There are two statements. One's the truth and one's a lie. And the moment you believe the lie, uh, that life without the ventilator is better than life with one, uh, you rip the ventilator off. And what's the consequence? Well, you start gasping for air, suffering pain in your lungs, and you, you eventually die. The, the cause of sickness and death in this world is because we believe the lie that life without a ventilator is better than life with one. The whole of humanity has believed the lie that life without the life-giver is better than life with him. And we've ripped away any recognition of our creator. And humanity at large is now gasping for air, suffering from our decision. Why is there sickness and death in this world? Why is the coronavirus in this world? Well, it's because humanity Has believed the lie that life without the life giver is better than life with him. And you see, that is why there's hope today, because forgiveness deals with the cause. Uh, We are forgiven by God for believing that lie about him. Even if we find a vaccine tomorrow, uh, it's just a temporary relief from our suffering and eventual death. We still believe. The lie. Discovering the vaccine may extend our lives, say 20, 30, 40 more years, but we all ultimately have to face the consequences of believing that lie. And the hope today is that forgiveness is on offer because it deals with the root cause. There's hope today, and there's real hope because forgiveness is on offer. See, there is also hope for the future. Accepting forgiveness from God may not provide you immunity from the coronavirus, but it will give you hope for the future. Uh, the Bible speaks about a time where the world will go back to very good, the state of being very good. There's a really beautiful description in Revelation. and Let me read it for you. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven. And a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city in New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every Tear away from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither there shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You see, in this passage, we're giving we're given a picture of uh, a glorious future. And there will be a time where there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering. There will be a time where death will be no more And that is true hope. No more death, no more viruses, no more suffering. But also notice there will be life with God in verse 3. A life with the life giver. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. You see, forgiveness gives us access into this glorious future and we need forgiveness from God in order to be with him. But that is true hope. Life with the life giver. Accepting forgiveness from God may not provide you immunity from the coronavirus. But it will give you true hope for a glorious future. But that's, that's not all. And not only does it give us hope for the future... It also gives us hope for today. Let me tell you about a friend of mine. Uh, his name is called Elliot. I'm gonna put a picture of him. And um, that's Aliot there on your screens. Um, Elliot is 25 years old and he, he has his whole life ahead of him. And here is Aliot last September. Um, he, he passed away, and after nine months battling with stage four cancer. And it was a rare cancer, sarcoma. And that's a picture of him with his family. And in many ways, Elliot had to reckon with the whole question of hope as he faced his cancer. So Elliot is a Christian, and here's what he wrote to his family and friends before he died. And here's what Elliot says. It saddens me that I have to say goodbye to everyone and have, I, that I have known and been close to. And while you can be sad for me, I hope it will not affect you negatively in any way, because I have been experiencing great joy amidst all this suffering for the past nine months. I never had any doubt towards God or any worries for the future, but I will, be, I will now be resting till Jesus comes back to welcome us into his kingdom, a much, much better place than this current world. The hope I have in him and his promises has brought me so much joy in my life that I can't deny I felt a lot more joy in my sufferings for the past nine months. He goes on to explain what I've been considering so far. The only way for us to restore this broken relationship with God is through Jesus. And those who do not believe in this are still in a broken relationship. And this means that their sins are not yet forgiven. And when they die on earth, they will be judged, and the punishment is hell, which is a combination of being separated from God for eternity, destruction, and punishment. And what makes hell so bad is really not being together with God. The sufferings will be many more times worse than the ones we face on earth, and it will be for eternity. And then he speaks about his experience of going through chemo, I have tasted poison and I really don't want my friends or family to taste it for eternity. This has been a strong burden in my heart for many years because I love my friends and family and I really want them to reconcile with God. I would rather have my friends listen to the gospel and make a decision to accept Jesus in their lives than for my cancer to be healed. God has really strengthened me and sustained me through all these sufferings. And I remain joyful through the past nine months because my relationship with God has already been restored and nothing can separate me from God's love. See, forgiveness gave Elliot a real hope in the present because he knew that his relationship with God was restored. He says, The hope I have in him. And his promises has brought me so much joy in my life that I can't deny I felt a lot more joy in my sufferings for the past nine months. Forgiveness gave Alet hope beyond his cancer, it gave him joy in the midst of his sufferings. So you see, forgiveness not only gives hope for the future, but it gives hope today. For Alit, it gave him hope in his present battle against cancer. There is hope today. Two reflections as we we close. Um, If you are a Christian today, uh, perhaps more than toilet rolls or um, an N95 mask or a vaccine, I mean, what we need today during this time is forgiveness. Um, For me, um, I found it hard being cooped up at home and perhaps for you, you find it hard to. It comes with its own set of challenges and temptations. And perhaps you've been working um, at home and you have had more time on your hands. Or maybe you had less time on your hands because everyone is trying to get you on Zoom or on, on Microsoft Teams. But either way, it's given, you to, given rise to more stress and more challenges. And perhaps it's in this time we need to remember that we have forgiveness from the Father. There's hope today, because forgiveness is on offer. More than a cure, we need forgiveness. And perhaps you might not call yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus today. And I hope that today's passage has given you some food for thought. And I want to encourage you to keep finding out more. But can I appeal to you today that it's only through forgiveness from Jesus that you can experience true hope? See, it's the hope that Eliot had. It's the hope that Christians have. Uh, Peter says in Acts chapter 10, verse 43 to Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You see, if there's forgiveness, then there's hope for the future, and there's hope. Today, Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that in him, in his death, he gives us resurrection from the dead. We thank you that in him we have forgiveness and we can be reconciled with you. We do pray, Father, even in this tough time, you might help us to recognize the forgiveness that Jesus gives. In his name we pray. Amen.